We are grateful today, Lord, to you for allowing us to be here. We pray today that you will give us ears to hear the word of God. And we thank you for allowing us to be able to gather outside. What a privilege today to be able to worship you and to bless you. To be able to sing praises to the King of glory. Now prepare our hearts to hear the very word of God. May we be faithful to carry out what you have given us today. We give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the Bible, in your Bibles, if you would turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to read the first four verses. 1 Timothy chapter 2. As you know, we are doing series. I'm doing a series in the book of Timothy. And we last week concluded chapter 1, and today we move on now to chapter 2. I will be reading, um, as I go through this, if time permits, a couple of other passages, but that will come further down in the message. If you notice coming up, we have the, the message title on the board. And we are grateful to Brother Don for putting the message there. We have started that back. Before we came back to church, March the 8th was the last message that was on there. We started back in June, and we had not updated it. But since we are back, we are now able to update. And I was pleasantly surprised to hear people tell me that I read your sign as we go through. People that I had no idea were actually looking at the sign. So it does make a difference what you put out there. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 reads as thus. First of all, then I urge... That supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The title that I have given this message is Prayer Matters, Prayer Not Optional. Prayer Matters, Prayer Not Optional. Praying has been a part of people's lives since the beginning of time. Unfortunately, prayers are not always offered to God, but some pray to the universe or direct prayers to an item that has been man-made. It has been the clear teaching of Scripture that our prayers are to be offered to the one God who created heaven and earth. If you are praying to anyone, anything other than the creator who created this vast universe, you are praying to the wrong one. In Paul's directions to Timothy, the focus of who he is to pray to is not in question. Timothy knows who he is to pray to, but the ones who are to be prayed for may have been most controversial and may have been a conflict in the church in Ephesus. Who he is to pray to is not a problem. But when you are told to pray for certain ones, sometimes an issue may arise. For Paul, to give Timothy this focus and urge to pray, 
would be a way of helping this Ephesian church to know the importance of prayer and the difficulty of prayer. If you're not sure and if you did not know, prayer is hard work. Start trying to pray and find and see if your mind is not wandering down the road across yonder, (laughs) back east, midwest, down south. Your mind will take a detour the moment prayer begins. Why? Because prayer is spiritual work. You can't go to sleep, pick up your Bible and start reading the Bible. You'll fall asleep. You, you, you want to have some distractions? Begin to pray and watch and see what begins to pop up. All the things that you haven't thought about for the last 10 years, all of a sudden become urgent right then for you to do. Why? Because the enemy does not want you to pray. Hmm. Prayers would not simply be based on praying for people that Timothy liked, but for those where there was high conflict. Point number one, prayer not optional. Part of the title, prayer not optional. There are four things that Paul lists in verse number one. He says supplications, prayer, intercessions, and thanksgivings. Now when when this list is given, and oftentimes in the Bible, when various lists are given, they are to be defined. But what Paul seems to be doing and suggesting here it's not that each word was to be defined, but it was really it possibly synonyms with the exception of the word thanksgiving. What Paul seems to be telling Timothy is that he is to build upon the importance of prayer. But just for a brief def- definition of supplication, it is to ask with urgency. It is to plead or it is to beg. Oftentimes when we think of the word supplication, we think of the word request. On Sunday mornings, we often take prayer requests in the church. When we were doing the online phone ministry, we were saying, who has a prayer request? Even today, after this service, there will be people that will send me their prayer requests so that we can pray for them during this week. Supplications are prayer requests. It means to ask with urgency or to beg. When Paul says the second prayers, it seems to be just the general or generic term for prayer. Just prayer as we know it generally. Intercession. Intercession is that which one asks on behalf of another. When you intercede for someone, you are going In behalf of another person. When Christ prays for us, he is interceding for us. And then we have the word thanksgiving, which is to express gratitude for blessings or benefit. Give me one moment as I need to put my, stop my setting so that my screen does not go dark. So just give me one moment to change this. How often do you spend time giving God thanks? You see, one of the things about Thanksgiving, it it, it allows you to look at what God has already blessed you with and to give him thanks for what he's done. Too often people are making requests and they never stop to think about what God has already done. 
If you were to stop and consider just the fact of what God did for you today to get you here. First of all, he allowed you to wake up. You didn't have to wake up. He allowed you to wake up. Then he allowed you to put your feet on the floor. If you have a restroom, to go into the restroom. If you are driving, to get in your car and to get here safely. Some of you may have decided you didn't want to eat, but you may have had food at the house. Then you drove down on the dangerous highways or wherever you came from and you got here safely. You use your own leg or legs to walk up here. You use your arms to worship God. We often don't stop to think of how blessed we are. We take these things for granted until something happens. Example in point. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was at the church about to leave. And I was closing the trunk of my car. And lo and behold, I put my big head right in the way and closed the trunk right on my head. And got a mark on my head. I was about to leave. I went right downstairs into the freezer, got a bag of something that was cold, put on my head for 15 minutes. There was a knot on my head, drove home, got some ice and put it on my big head. Then I put, I, I got some, you know, if you get a little marking, get some cocoa butter. And then I, I got some stuff and started putting it on my head to try to deal with the mark. Now, now all of my attention went to the area that was hurt. I wasn't thinking about my forehead before. <laughs> but the moment something happened, all of my attention went there. You see, there are times when we don't pay God any attention or any mind until something significantly happens. But it would be good to just pause in the daytime and to give God praise and thanksgiving for just waking us up and for what he has already done for us. As Paul is encouraging Timothy during this time, he has to remember and to remind Timothy that as you begin to deal with the problems that have come up in the, the Ephesian church, in this church in Asia, I want you to remember that prayer has to be a major part of what you are doing. Now, as we look at this particular matter here in Timothy, Paul seems to go back and address the issue of the theme of what the book of First Timothy is about. That Timothy has been ordered to stay in, in Ephesus to keep people from teaching that which was false doctrine. And so what Paul seems to do in this, this chapter here is to remind him of what he has already said and where he is going. But the theme Paul is telling Timothy is as you put things in order, you must remember that you've got to be in prayer. Paul tells him, Timothy, you must make requests, supplications. You must use general prayers. You must intercede for people and you must give thanks for all people. Now, when Paul mentions all people, he is not mentioning, not necessarily meaning you've got to call every single person by name because that would be just too hard to do. But what he is saying, that every group of people you are to pray for, don't exclude groups because you don't like them. 
Uh oh. Don't tell me that's a problem in the church. I, I only pray for this group of people. No, Paul says, Timothy, pray for all groups. And then he gives him an example and gives him some of the ones to pray for. Let's take a look at it. In verse number two, he says, pray for kings and all who are in high positions. Now, hold on a second. For Paul to bring this up to Timothy, it is quite possible that the false teachers were telling the people that the ones you are to pray for are the ones that you like. <laughs> How many of you really pray for your enemies? I'm not talking about that, you, that God pray that you hurt, that he hurts them. I'm talking about pray that God, he blesses them. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can pray for my enemies all day. Oh, God, get them, please. Hell, let me see it too. Oh, Lord, deal with them. No, no. How many say, Lord, help them and help me to be a blessing to that person? Well, what Paul tells Timothy, he says, I want you to pray for kings. I want you to pray for people in high authority and high positions. Now, why would that be a problem? Well, the king at this time was the emperor Nero. As I mentioned last week, Nero is not, I didn't mention this part, but Nero is not a man that you would want to bring home, young ladies. <laughs> Nor man would you want to bring Jezebel um, home. Nero was a person that burned down Rome, according to history. Yep, fiddle while Rome burned, is the statement some just said, and... Needed to find a scapegoat and blamed the Christians. Nero was also one to where I have to be careful here in graphics, where he would use the skin of Christians to light his garden, set them ablaze. Nero was cruel, was evil. And this is the person that Paul mentions. Timothy, you must pray for kings. Nero was the emperor during this time in history. Those in authority, that would be governors, are those that have been placed over those, those individuals are individuals and rulers that Nero had put into place. Magistrates, governors. In other words, the thing that's important to remember that Paul was going to be killed by Nero. And here Paul is telling Timothy, you need to pray for the kings and those in authority. Now, can you imagine this? We have a problem praying for people that we just don't like. They looked at me wrong. They, they gave me a dirty eye. I'm upset. Those things can be just passed on. But here you are, asked to pray for a person where your life is in jeopardy. Now, it is possible that some of the false teachers were telling the people, you don't pray for any of these rulers because we are in bondage to them. Only people that you like. So what Paul has to tell Timothy is that the correction in this church in Ephesus you have to set things in order that everyone has to be prayed for. 
You don't pray for the evil deeds that they do, but you sure pray that God will touch their hearts, that there will be change, because only God is the one that can do it. How would your prayer life change if you knew someone was out to get you? Prayer really can change the hearts of people. And if we're going to lead quiet and peaceful lives, it must be because of prayer. The church has been bathed in prayer. The church has been governed by prayer. And whenever prayer ceases in the church, you will constantly have problems and you will begin to wonder what is going on. Remember this, revival never begins Without prayer, you must have prayer in order to have revival and change. Again, the importance of prayer, it includes every group without limitation. It's not based on religion. It's not based on skin color. It's not based on any of those other things. It's based on the fact that God says we are to pray for everyone. Hmm. Prayer must not be used as a last defense. It must not be used as a get out of jail card. God, I'm going to do right if you get me out of this situation. Prayer can't just be used when you run the stop sign and there's a red light behind you that pulls you over. You have no right to get upset at the officer. He's just doing his job. Now, it's a blessing if he says, I'm going to give you a warning this time. It would be a problem if you went burning off after he said, I'm giving you a warning. I must be talking to myself here. <laughs> Pray for kings and those that are in high places. Pray for a godly, that we will have a peaceful and quiet life. Godly and dignified in every way. In verse 3 he says, this is good. And listen, he says, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. When Paul says, Timothy in verse 3, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God. What is good? It goes back to chapter 2, verse 1. What? Prayer, supplications, intercessions, thanksgiving. He goes back to verse number 1. This is good. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, I'm going to read that there. 1 Thessalonians Chapter 5, verse 9. This goes with verse 4. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4 back in Second in 1 Timothy 2. Who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Turn with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And let's look at verse number 10 if you have your Bibles. 1 Timothy 4, verse number 10. And I'm reading this without my glasses. Bless the Lord. Y'all thank y'all for praying for me. I don't even have my glasses on. I can see this too. For to this end... We toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Ezekiel, back in the Old Testament, 
Ezekiel chapter 18. I'm going to read two verses there. Ezekiel 18, verse number 23. Ezekiel 18, 23. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live? Then verse number 32. For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. One of the things that one has to understand is that God is a God of what we say of holiness, of righteousness. I know there's a popular thought and opinion that God is only a God of love. That would be done in in four to five minutes. God is only a God of love. God is a God of love, but one has to understand is that God is also God of holiness. Here's something that you've got to remember. If sin and that which was not righteous, if that could just slide by without any problem, then there would have been no reason for Christ to have come to earth. It was God who poured out his judgment on the Lord Jesus Christ. In order that we would be saved, in order that we would be able to have a right relationship with him. So God is not willing. He doesn't want people to perish, but he wants people to turn from their ways and to experience the wonderful salvation that he offers. And the wonderful thing is this. It's free for everyone. It costs God everything and it's free to you. Why would people say no To the wonderful gift of God. Why? It's because we have an enemy of our soul that tries to keep us from being able to experience the wonderful plan of God's salvation. God wants people saved. He wants people to understand and he wants them to know that he's a God of love, but he's also a God of holiness and requires that people turn. It says in verse 4, as I bring this to a conclusion, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. One of the things that I'm really concerned about is that people want to rewrite history and want to believe lies rather than truth. Let me tell you this. Truth will unmask a lie. Truth will unmask a lie. God does not want people to be lost. The reason why many people are lost is because many people have been told something that maybe has been pleasant to the ears, but maybe not true. How do we discern what truth is? Truth is reality. I encourage people today. I challenge people. Do you believe something? Why do you believe what you believe? If you are told something, do you go search it out or does it fit a narrative that you have. There are many people who say, well, I don't believe the Bible. Well, my question to you is, have you searched it out? Have you taken a study and an inventory of what God says? Timothy is a man that has been told, Timothy, you are to use the word of God to bring about the correction that's needed in the church. God wants people to be saved, and the only way they will be saved is if they are told the truth. There's enough falseness, there's enough false doctrine going around, and in fact, those that are there right now needs to stop teaching the false doctrine. Timothy, present the truth. I told God when I became pastor, I said, Lord, I want to be a man that stands and preaches 
the word of God, whether people will hear it or not. Men not compromise the word of God to, to fit and to suit what people want to hear, but may I preach what the word of God says. If there's something that I may have gotten wrong, help me to go back and check it and then come back and say, oh, wait a minute. Let me make a correction here. But when there is a perpetual desire to do that which is against the word of God, that is a problem. And so we must be willing to stand. And so Paul's charge to Timothy in the pastoral letters is a charge to the church. Why is this important? Because first Timothy was going to be read to the congregation. It was not just to Timothy. Yes, it was personal. But Timothy was to read it to the church because there are things that must be corrected. As we conclude, prayer matters. Prayer is not optional. Even before you leave the house, you have the ability just to say, thank you, Lord. Keep me safe today. If you have a few minutes to get on your knees and say, Lord, help me in this day to make right decisions, because I have no idea what I'm going to face once I leave this house. Today, Lord, we are grateful to you for your loving kindness. The fact that we have been given the tremendous privilege of being able to be in prayer, which allows us to have communion with you. Our prayers that go up before the almighty God. The prayers that were offered, offered in the Old Testament with incense that was mingled with the prayers of the saints that stood as a memorial before the Almighty God. We have the privilege to offer prayers to the Almighty that even when we leave this earth, our prayers can still carry on. We're grateful to you today. And we pray that we will take full advantage of every opportunity that you've given us to pray. That yes, we'll make requests, we'll pray, we will, God, make intercessions, and then we will give thanksgiving to you, for you are the mighty and the tremendous God. Now be with us today, bless us, and lead us in the path of righteousness. Lord, help us to be careful to give you the glory. Help us to not take the glory to ourselves, but to give you all the praise. We worship you, we bless you, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.